live from our home studios. Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your show where you matter, Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Oh my gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> Somebody gave Chris coffee this morning. He does not drink coffee. I don't know who gave it to him, but they should Yahoo! stop. They should this stop. is going to be the greatest show that you've experienced. We cannot wait to talk about your ministry your programs, and your heart. Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. <laughs> How many times are you going to welcome everyone? <laughs> Stop it. Matt Rice, <laughs> look at you. You are wearing a state champion shirt. What have you done for your state? Tell us more. Oh my gosh. Can we move on? I don't know what you're doing. So anyway, I <laughs> I was curious the whole time. I was like, why does he have a state championship shirt? Celebrate with us. We 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 want to know. Two years ago, my son won state um, in the TAPS um, swimming, whatever, his event. So he's a state champion in that event. I'm just wearing the shirt because I grabbed it out of my drawer this morning. It looks brand new. I don't wear it all that often. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm I know really glad you, we're it, talking about this on the podcast. I'm sure everybody that's listening to this is so excited about this. He went to a basketball tournament. Your kids are very, very excellent athletes. So I thought that there was something new that we could celebrate together. I wish I would have asked you before we started recording, but I'm like, it'll be great if he shares it with everybody. But it wasn't. It was just okay. Matt, why don't you take over? I don't know. You're you're doing a bang up job here. Um, <laughs> sounds like it. So uh, on Monday, I got a text. So I, I have, like, we've talked about this before, having mentors and different people pour into our lives for different things. Um, I have some uh, different people in town that I reach out to periodically just for um, leadership coaching, running a business, different things like that. So I have a mentor that I meet with, like, fairly often just with regards to, you know, business stuff and leadership. And so kind of out of nowhere, like, and maybe it wasn't, but I, I'd sent him a text wishing him a happy Father's Day. And then he sent me a text um, the next day, or like maybe it was later in the week, that was uh, like this particular um, thing about businesses. Um, the title of the blog or whatever the post is, How Companies Grow and Die. And it's like a corporate uh, corporate life cycle. And as I was reading it, I thought it was really good. And I know that he was giving it to, to me, you know, as the leader of a organization, of a company, a nonprofit or whatever. Um, and thinking about it through that lens. But as I was reading it, I, I started thinking about, huh, this applies on multiple levels. Initially, I was thinking with even within a blaze where we have Project YM, we have a blaze families and we have a blaze youth. It, it applies to each one of those departments, if you will. And then I started thinking even further down on a blaze youth that this like this happens like in ministries. And I even started I started thinking about some of the ministries that I've been a part of that had been like that it happened or had that had been ministries for like 19 years. And, and I, I can see those ministries on this life cycle. Um, and it's just, it was really interesting. So I started thinking about that, like with regards to what we do here on this podcast and talking about leadership and, and helping ministry leaders lead well, like looking at their ministries through this lens, I thought would be brilliant. Yeah, and so I, I want to clarify the difference between a ministry and a program, right? And so, so often many parish ministry leaders are in charge of running a program or like two or three programs. And we get in this programming mindset, which is very cyclical, 
which it, at times, if you're stable, can be a very healthy thing. But when we're talking about this, I want us to pull back a little bit and say you're in charge of, uh, let's say, uh, elementary, right? And you do classes, RE classes, formation classes, whatever it is. And then the other program you run is maybe sacramental prep or something like that. Like that is a program within your ministry as a whole. But to think about your ministry in a broader perspective and not just the programming that it does really helps put you in this life cycle a little bit better. Because oftentimes, if we just stick to programming alone, we can hit a ceiling that prevents us from reaching whatever that next level is in this life or this growth cycle. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're we're just going to do like a brief overview of this of this post, and and hopefully, if uh, if I remember to share it with Taylor, we'll also get this attached to the podcast episode as well, so y'all can go back and look at this post. But the basic basic idea is that every business goes through uh, life stages, and I would argue that every ministry that we run goes through life stages. What like one of the things? So I, I want to just talk through them really quickly, and then there there were some insights that I had with regards to it that my, I think greatly affect the success of ministries within our individual churches and the church as a whole. So just like leading up to stability, so that you've got this bell curve, you know, the, from the bottom up to stability, and then down to death, right? So the <laughs> Chris, you're laughing. <laughs> death sounds so like ominous, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but the, the cool thing is, is there's 10, 10 different kind of moments that, that are charted here. Um, but literally it gives us heads up like, oh, by the way, you can, you can shortcut to death at any one of these phases. Um, and, and there's different things like pitfalls or dangers at each stage, especially on the growth side and, and the bell curve, I think actually it should be kind of a slow buildup and a faster decline because I think the road to death actually happens a lot quicker than um, than, than the growth to, to stability. So you think it should drop off a little faster than it, than it goes up because it takes a lot absolutely. longer to grow, grow to stability? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it should almost be like a ramp like that we used to ride our bikes on. In the- <laughs> <laughs> little kid setting up a couple, yeah, a couple of bricks and, and then a two by a piece of plywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we shouldn't be alive. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, it starts with courtship, and then it goes into infancy, and then go-go, and then adolescence, and then prime and stability. So that's the road up. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on each one of these, but we are going to like highlight kind of just some things from each one. So the courtship phase, this is when the visionary like has an idea. Like they, they have... Um, this is the founder thinking about what they're going to do, and they have all these different ideas... Um, but they, at this point, they haven't quite decided on what they're going to do. They haven't quite made a commitment. Um, that's the next phase. The next phase is when they've actually committed to, to, to taking a step forward and starting to move. Yeah, so this would be the dreamer phase where everyone's like, that's a good idea. Are we going to do anything about it? And it's like, well, it's going to cost money or da, 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 da. There's all these different fears that could scare people away. Um, but once action is taken right? Maybe you rent a space or you make a commitment, you you reserve some space at the parish, whatever it is, you're like, we're going to move forward with it. Uh, it's more than just idea sharing. That is when it gets born right into a, the next phase. Yeah. And that's infancy. So once that idea becomes reality and you start doing things, 
every every person that comes on board with your ministry, every every little step forward is is huge, is a special event. Man, we've had five people show up, you know, and and different things like that. Every little win like that is celebrated. At this point, you're 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 typically working like crazy um, to get it off the ground and just get to get it to keep moving forward. You're not necessarily thinking long-term planning, which is sometimes a problem, and it's something that will be addressed at later phases. Um, and at this point, because everything is changing, like you're, you're learning how to do this thing, everything is changing. And so you don't really have like processes in place. Like this is what we do here. This is what we do there. This is what we do there because everything keeps changing. So you can't make a process because you can't use the same process the next day. Right. And so a way to describe this is you've been a part of groups or organizations and they're like, it felt like we were building the airplane while we were in the air. Right. Uh, but the key thing here is that you're in the air. Yeah. And so so that's a good thing. And so uh, energy is high. Consistency is low. But you're adapting and saying we need to do this differently. We need to commu- communicate better here. Whatever it is, we're learning with each and every day or week that goes by in this ministry uh, experience. And so the next phase after that is called go-go. Um, and this is when things are starting to build real momentum. You have a lot going on, um, so much going on that you tend to feel overworked. Um, and it's hard to stay focused on what you're going to be doing because there's so many different things that you can do within the ministry you're doing. And this is where other ideas, I would say, even compete with the original idea. When you're like, ooh, we can do that. Oh, we can do that. Ooh, we can do this. And so you have to, in, in my mind, like this part, you need to focus. You need to make sure you stay focused to what you're trying to be doing. Um, but this is when things get really, really busy. Yeah, the the danger here, it's called the founder's trap. And so the keeper of the vision would be the one who initially had the idea. And it's like, okay, so how do we continue this? Are we doing things right? And they all go back to one person to find out if that's true or not. At this point, if that founder, if the person is no longer is remains the keeper of the vision and doesn't become the sharer of the vision and say, we're building this together. Don't come to me. You guys already understand. We've been doing this for a hot minute. Like we should be building this. I trust it. and I delegate control. Then we start to see growth. But again, if it remains just with that one person and it becomes kind of a cult of personality or a ministry that belongs to one person instead of belongs to the people it serves or the church or Christ, then we find ourselves um, not being able to grow beyond this stage because it d- it doesn't have the ability to get legs of its own. It's dependent completely upon that one person. Yeah, so if the ministry leader isn't able to delegate and have other people doing things, then they end up being the bottleneck. They end up slowing everything down because they're the only ones that can, because it's dependent on who, like the people they can personally manage rather than letting people do their thing. So at this phase, one thing that that we want to talk about is how important it is at this phase, which I think actually a lot of ministries find themselves in this phase, the go-go phase, to where it's like we haven't figured it out all the way. Each new year, each new semester, we're trying different approaches to be able to reach the demographic that we're called to serve. Um, But sometimes people get frustrated here because like you have a volunteer team and it's like, just give me the stuff and tell me what to do. It's like, no, 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 no. I give you the vision and you build what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to be able to, we're building something together. It's not a perfect destination. This is not the land of milk and honey. This is the land of sweat and toil, but we're doing it for a greater cause. So you need a team of people around you who are willing 
to put in the sweat equity. So let's like let's do more of that later. I want to go through all of the like the ways up because I think like I don't even think our like many ministries get a chance to go through the death cycle because they don't even get to stability. Um, but I want to dive in. I want to talk about that and reasons for that and reasons ministries get stuck at different places later once we go through all of the the growth side of it. I, I now have the clarity. Yes, let's continue forward. <laughs> so adolescence, um, when you get to adolescence, then this is the point where the the leader has started to delegate. They find different people to run different things. You actually kind of have to, in my mind, at this point, you actually have to have an organizational chart, sort of like this is who's doing this, is this is who's doing that. And you have different people um, who are talking about the vision. And so this is where the the vision has to get very, very clear. Um, in my mind, that the the leader has to be able to to share that vision with other people, and they have to know what the vision is. If that doesn't happen, then you're going to have to have kind of arguing and fighting of, oh, this is what we're doing. No, 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 that's not what we're doing. We're doing this. Right. Well, I, I mean, I would push back a little bit. At this phase, the founder is not the the sole keeper of the vision. Correct. And that means that we're going to have kind of different brands, different lenses in which the vision is shared, communicated, or understood. And there's clarity that's needed surrounding that. And so there can definitely be some conflict, healthy conflict. I mean, you look at Martin Luther in the early stages, and he had a, a bit of a different vision. And it ultimately led to a number of schisms and, and things of that nature. And so that is kind of an adolescence example gone awry. And, and this is when the processes start to come into place because you've got, you're starting to gain a little bit more stability. You know how to do what you're doing. And so you can start to introduce processes and make it a little bit more consistent. Not as many things are changing, you know, like, like, like when you had the infancy and go-go, um, not as much as changing. So you can actually establish processes and that actually helps with the delegation and getting that out to other people. Yeah, the multiplier's effect needs to take place at this phase, and that requires clarity and processes. Absolutely. Okay, so then now once you've got that, like once you've worked through that phase and you've got the clear vision, um, this is when things start to really take off. Um, that everything kind of comes together with regards to what the initial vision was, and now we have a whole bunch of, like if you like if you will, a whole bunch of ministry or a bigger ministry going on, different leaders doing different parts. Um, and it is just building upon itself. Right. And this is where others are starting to recognize your success. You guys are getting some momentum and kind of a reputation for yourself. Uh, but the danger in this one is, uh, is that we can be satisfied with first fruits or with stable fruits, right? Or, or more consistent fruits. Um, and I've seen this in, in youth ministry programs that are doing really well at reaching the teens that are registered for their programming. Meanwhile, there's a ton of teens in their parish that aren't participating, but those that are participating are well-served. Meanwhile, there's a ton of people within their parish boundaries that are also underserved. And so it's how do we continue to push ourselves to use the success that we've had and continue moving forward as opposed to become complacency and satisfied with initial success. The thing that I thought was, thought was neat about this is um, at this point, um, it says companies in their prime have trouble finding talent because their standards are high and they need a lot of people. And so this is, and I find, and, and then they start developing talent in house. And so like, I've always thought about that, you know, in, in ministry circles, and I know we're probably getting more into the weeds, but at the beginning, I want to start developing my people, but you don't have the stability actually to start doing that. 
like developing them for what or towards what because exactly. you don't know yeah, yeah. you don't know yeah. and and yeah. so I, I, this is really interesting because this is when you start developing your volunteers from within you know rather than looking outside you know and and having a hard time finding people outside because you need a lot of volunteers at this point to keep this going now all this ultimately once those things are figured out it leads to stability in ministry yep. and this would be the top of the bell curve yep. once you've hit here you haven't arrived, it means that you have successful, sustainable ministry that has processes in place that can be multiplied. In fact, others at this point can come to you and ask you, how can we do it in our organization or in our parish? And you'd be able to actually give them uh, a, a roadmap to be able to find success at their area as well. And so this is more than just counselor advice in the earlier stages, but actually like, no, use this system. It is effective. This is what works. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the notes I find interesting on this is that you don't even realize when you've transitioned to stability. Like the transition from st prime to stability happens so quietly that, and it takes so long that you, nobody even notices that they are stable. This is when we need to be like, if we get to this point, when we get to this point, we need to be very vigilant about what we're doing, why we're doing it. Because, and I think it's like, this is where I think ministry and industry differs. And that's why I think that the, the end of the bell curve, the rest of the bell curve is different from ministry. Because it says here that the company is now the industry leader and doesn't have the same drive as hunger is before. If our mission is the mission of the church, right? To go and make disciples, that's our mission. That hunger, I, I would hope, never subsides. You know, it doesn't go away because there's there's always people to go and make disciples of. Now, maybe that's not right. Maybe that's idealistic and naive. I don't know. So to, to give a little pushback or a different perspective, it, it would be the difference of why can't our parish serve these people, right? And that's kind of the growth. And now we're figuring that out and we're answering that question. Now that question has been answered. Our parish is now serving these this group of people and serving them well. And then you start to ask, why can't every parish do that? And so it's, 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 I, I hate this phrase, but it's like moving the goalposts a little bit. Like now the vision is extended beyond just the community and the immediate needs that you see in front of you. And I think it goes to a more universal church perspective of like, how can we multiply this um, to the ends of the earth instead of to the ends of our reach? Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's where stability really comes into play, where we start to think, how can our successes add value to other parishes, other programs, other ministry leaders? Like, let's say, like, and I don't, like, I don't even know how you would do this, but in your ministry, you've achieved your goal. Um, and it may be interesting to think about um, the Coalition for Life here in Bryan College Station. Their goal was to shut down the abortion clinic that was here in Bryan. They did that. Then what? Like once that's done, what do you do after that? I mean, abortion is still an issue, even in this city. Um, so what do you do after that? And, that? and I don't know if that's that directly applies to other types of ministries, but that's a that's a thing. Like what what if we've gotten so efficient at serving the poor that we've ended poverty? No, that I know that sounds really stupid, but like what if we've gotten so good at it that there really isn't like? A Did you just say ending poverty <laughs> sounds really stupid? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. It, no, it it sounds pretty challenging. Yeah. But I don't think, I think that'd be a great thing to end poverty. Okay. But just, just to hit the pause <laughs> button, like what did the Coalition for Life do? They bought the abortion facility. Yep. Right. 
um, after it had been shut down. And it's not like they gave Planned Parenthood money, but they bought it and they turned it into a pro-life resource center. And now they're trying to multiply that. Yeah, and, they, the and they rejoined, you know, with 40 Days for Life, um, merged, you know, with them and are, are doing what they did here globally. But they took that which caused pain and division, and they made it sacred. Yes. I just thought that was that was amazing. Absolutely, and it did. It did feel a little ironic too, or it felt like you know they twisted the knife at the end. But it wasn't. They were redeeming yeah. that space, and that space needs needs redemption. And they focus on healing of women who have suffered through abortion. There's so many different pieces, but but absolutely, they met their goal. And I think for ministry leaders, sometimes the goal is just to have stabilized ministry. Like if I have enough volunteers in June or July to run the fall semester, like I have succeeded because yeah. most of the time by October, I don't have enough volunteers that lead the semester that started in September. You know what I yeah. mean? And so it's, so it's a fascinating thing. So the reason that I was like kind of inspired by this, this whole idea is this takes time. Okay. There, there's no way to go from courtship to stability in three years. In six years, I mean, it, it it takes time to get there, even within a ministry. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so frustrated because we don't provide a space or a way for people to have the time to do that. Or maybe we just have structures that don't allow that. So even like if a priest, I'm again, I'm thinking of let's just say even Saint Joseph, he come like we we just got a new priest. Right. For like in our diocese, it's a six year assignment. Right. It can be extended. Yeah. But typically it's it's six years assumed, but keep in mind the first year they're uh they don't do anything, typically. They're an administrator. So yes. the assignment begins after their administration. But yeah, ultimately it's a six year it's a six year official appointment by the bishop. So you have six years to get stuff mo- done and rolling, um, or started enrolling. And I, I can't imagine like I don't know how far along this this path the pastor would be. Now that's a pastor in in our diocese. I don't know about other dioceses um, and how often they keep their pastors there, but that's at the pastor level. Go like a step lower, and and you look at the minister ministries within those parishes. Like I don't know how long. Like the DRE is probably the one who lasts the longest, um, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> there, like, I, and I don't want to dive into it, um, but there, um, but. The, the youth minister and some of those that are like, now I'm, I'm already going into it. Some of those that are pushing the envelope and, and trying to go out and make disciples and do things new, do things differently. So the, the beyond programming ministries, and I just want to acknowledge there are a number of directors of faith formation and directors of religious education that go beyond programming. Yes, absolutely. But unfortunately, and unfortunately if we paint with broad strokes, we see a number of DREs that are doing ministry similar to what it looked like 10 years ago, similar to what it looked like 20 years ago. And the demographic has changed in the community, but the response hasn't. And that's a problem. What I see is ministry leaders lasting two to four years um, in a in a given parish before they move on. And so we don't even get to see what it looks like to have right. a stable right. ministry within a parish. Um, not only is it disrupted at the the pastor level very often, it's also disrupted at the at the ministry leader level um, whenever there's turnover. And so, I would love to see a ministry go through all the way to death. Maybe I don't know. I'm not, I'm not love to see it to die, but like to have the time to do that. 
Like that's like just to be in ministry in a, in a space long enough to have the time to do that is just a, a luxury we don't have. So I think that one example of, of a ministry that has done that would be the right of Christian initiation for adults. There are some standards and different pieces in regards to the rites and the rituals, but formation surrounding that is definitely a, a moving target. It has changed. It's been good. It's been bad. I mean, back in the 20s, like 1920s, um, you, you could just go sit down with your priest in your small town and have a couple of meetings with him, and then boom, you're good to go. And then he follows the different rites that you would go through for Christian initiation. And at Easter, you're getting you're getting baptized or becoming, and, and now it's changed. There's all these different programs surrounding it, but the rites themselves have remained the same but I don't think that that's the same as a ministry cycle, yeah. right? So there have been certain things that have been consistent over time in the church, but the stewardship of those things is kind of what we're talking about. And that stewardship is ministry. Essentially, ministry is stewarding the gifts of the church in the appropriate way. Yeah, I would say the process that we have in place for RCIA um, is not necessarily what I would say would fall on this bell curve or on this uh, graph, whatever we're looking at. I think the individual execution of said process within a given parish is what we would be looking at on this. Right. Um, now, so I wouldn't say RCIA in general, you know, would fall anywhere on this. Maybe adult formation or the Ministry of Evangelization and Hospitality or something like that, which RCIA would be underneath that bigger ministry. I mean, honestly, like if you want to, like if you want to go bigger than parish level ministry because I, I was thinking specifically parish level ministry let's like rcia at saint joseph adult faith formation at saint joseph not not the general over thing but if you want to look at stuff that's outside i think it's probably more parachurch organizations and even programs like life teen is on this graph i have Correct. no idea where they are on this graph you know um it seems like they're like right around stability and hanging around there um, I don't know, you know, where they would be, but other like publishers, other programs, like decision point, different things like that programs would even fall on this. I think if you look at the general thing, cause there are, there are programs that are no longer in use that have died, probably rightfully so <laughs> they needed to die because they didn't adapt. And that's, that's, as you go down to the bell curve, those are the, the things that, that are the next phase of that, which may be, you know, another podcast, but to be honest, I don't think we even need to think about that yet for our, our, our ministries, because we, we never get up to stability. Right. Yeah. We, we don't get to see the other side of the bell curve because like we shared, there's, there's different things get, that can lead to death at any point along this curve. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, Matt, you mentioned that ministry leaders stay in, in typical places for two to four years. I want to acknowledge, I think that that's true, but not all of them leave ministry. Yeah. A number of them are going to bigger parishes or different parishes that uh, that allow them to utilize their gifts in more dynamic ways. So someone recognizes, hey, that ministry leader is doing great. I want to hire them at my parish and give them the opportunity to do really great. And so then they go ahead and switch over and they have to really rebuild. Yeah. And that's oftentimes because you get recognized as a great ministry leader right around the go-go phase. Yeah. Yep. Right. And that, and that's before you've cascaded it to everyone. So when you leave, you essentially take the heart of the ministry with you because you were the keeper of the vision. You haven't shared or cascaded the vision. And I've seen parishes that have uh, that have transitioned um, ministry leaders very well, but most of the time 
Once the ministry's gone, uh, once the ministry leader has gone, the hired person, there goes the ministry as well. And it was like, well, that was really more Chris's vision or whatever. And that's why he was so good. It's like, but what if, just what if Chris tried to cascade the vision to everyone and we just needed someone else to kind of carry the ball forward a little bit. And so it's a, it's a hard thing because even it's almost like they're being punished. The parish is being punished for uh, fostering a successful ministry leader. And now they're now that ministry leaders at a different, at a different parish. So, yeah, when you think about it this way, so like if you're an entrepreneur and you're running your business, this is a whole lot easier to kind of control because I decide when I leave, like it's my business, you know, I decide when I leave. Correct. Um, and so that movement away, you know, that there's like different things on here, the movement away of the leader, the leader might, might leave too early, you know, for it to actually like for the organization to actually make it up to stability. That's one of the things you're talking about, Chris, but when we're thinking about like within the church, there are a lot of reasons why the leader of that given ministry would leave. Um, many of the reasons are financial, whether it's financial because they they see something else out there that they want to be a part of, um, or they can't their 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 needs have grown and so they need more you know a more stable fi- finance. But we as a church don't provide a space. For leaders to stay in ministry long enough for that to happen. We don't cultivate the leadership long enough for this cycle to get tall enough for it to be cascaded beyond just that one person, which again, can be called call to personality or can be called, I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of time to get the person who births the vision from courtship into infancy to actually be able to cascade the vision from go-go to adolescence and into prime. Like there's not enough time to set that because these things take time. Matt, we have been doing a blaze ministry. You've been doing a blaze ministry for 10 years now yep. and you wouldn't put us in primer stability. No, not yet. You know, we're, we're life. I feel like we're in that phase, like between go-go and adolescence. Um, and yes, I, like Chris, you can say the words out loud. I absolutely agree. I think we need a part two, part two. We can even dive down the, the second half of the, the graph. Two points. One, if you're the leader of a ministry, pay attention to this, um, like what your role is in each of these phases. Pay attention to that. Two, if you're the pastor and you see something like this happening, you see like a ministry growing and they're in the go-go phase or whatever. (laughs) I was going to say, do your damnedest to keep that person there. Like work as hard as you possibly can to keep that person who's running that ministry happy um, and keep them at your parish. I don't know what that means. Like r- raise more money to be able to pay them. Like risk paying them more than you pay other people at the parish. Because that's the other thing I've heard is like, oh, well, I can't pay this person more than I pay this other person at the at the office. It's like, absolutely you can. You're the boss. Like make that decision. Do it. Yep. Um, because yep. that person is is bearing fruit and, and they have the chance um, to to grow a ministry into stability at, at a level that that they can actually leave once it once they get past adolescence and prime it is at a place where the vision will stay or can stay provided you've got good leadership if the original founder isn't there anymore anyway sorry we absolutely need to go into part two we are right at 30 minutes which even with taylor cutting out all of our ums and stuff it's still going to be over time <laughs> 
Listen, I, I want you guys as ministry leaders to take a minute to reflect on your on, on where you're at in regards to your own life cycle. Again, click on the show notes. Your homework between now and the next episode are to check where you're at and to reflect on that reality because there is a shadow in each section of it that requires us to be aware have an awareness and to move forward in a way that's intentional with living in the place that we're blooming right now, right? Some of us want to be stable and just want to be perfect. And if people expect that from us, we're going to have a hard go at it. So look at where you're at and then learn how to embrace where you're at in regards to the life cycle of a, uh, of a ministry or a life cycle of a company, wherever you land in that regard. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation online. Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. If you want to go far, we go, go together. Oh That's gosh. stage three. Oh, come on now. <laughs> take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, but also to take a step back and look at your ministry as a whole. Where is it in the life cycle and what pieces do you need to maybe cascade, let go of, delegate, or embrace in order to be keeper, sharer of the vision to reach towards prime and stability? We'll see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you. You've just taken part in the most amazing show for ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us at Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Have a great week. Are you going to thank them as many times as you welcomed them? I know. That's why I was, was going to push that button again. Oh. Uh.